السلام علیکم و رحمت اللہ و برکاتہ The head of the Nakshabandi order, the one who actually started it, was very famous in his time as a man of great knowledge who could transmit his learning to others. And one day, he was walking through the bazaar, and he was carrying a large pole. And people began to gather around him because of who he was. Uh, following him through the bazaar. And then he took this pole and began to upset all of the carts in the, po- in, uh, in the bazaar. Began to knock everything over in the bazaar. And a whole shout went out among the people. What's going on? What's going on? And one of the viziers from the king was there. And he told his men to grab him so he would stop doing this. And then it was reported to the king what he had done. And the king said, bring him to me, because he has to explain himself before me. Uh, in three days, the meeting was set up, and uh, Nakshaband said, I will come but only on the condition that all of the king's advisors, all of the generals from his army, and all of the important people in the country are also there at the same time. So the time came for him to present himself, and the king said to him, Nakshaband, we know of your great learning but we can't understand your actions. Explain yourself before your king and his subjects. And he said to them, I caused a disturbance today that you all saw, and you all reacted to this disturbance, and you were all aghast at this disturbance and you were astounded and you all made a big deal out of this disturbance yet while this disturbance was going on in the minds of all the people who were there there were also many disturbances going on they were thinking about disturbing things but they have learned through custom to keep these things inside and not to let them out. So you didn't act out the disturbances that were in your mind, but you had them. Yet when I did the same kind of things externally, you all took exception. You should know that the disturbances that are going on inside of yourself have as much effect as external circumstances. So, if you are disturbed internally, even though you don't let people know what you're thinking and what you're doing, and you keep these things hidden, there is an effect 
that this has on the community and on yourself. So not only do you have to work on your external disturbances, you have to work on your internal disturbances. And if you don't get rid of your internal disturbances, you're causing as much havoc as the madman that I was running through the market upsetting the carts. And astonishingly, the king didn't understand this knowledge and never heard about it and never understood this explanation. And he thanked Nakshaband for doing this and they declared a three-day holiday at this time every year to understand that internal disturbances have the same cause and effect that external disturbances have. We are accustomed to reacting to what we see. We don't react to what we don't see. And we think that we can hide our true intentions and our true feelings as long as we don't act them out. And the truth is, you can't. You can't hide them from God. And in reality, you don't hide them from your fellow man. Because the truth of who you are inside shows on your face. And it'll always come out in your actions at some time or another. So we need to be able to be the same on the inside as we are on the outside. If we can't be the same on the inside as we are on the outside, we are in the world of hypocrisy. We are the ones who don't say what we mean. And hypocrisy is a great sin. It's a great denial of reality. Because you believe that you can split reality between actions, external actions, and internal thoughts and desires. External thoughts and needs or wants. You can't. We can't be two people walking around at the same time. This is part of the problem in culture. Because we are so many different people walking around at the same time, we have all of these modern-day diseases of anxiety and depression and these kinds of needs. When we can unify our own being then we can become more healed. We can become better. We can't have unity outside of ourself until we have unity inside of ourself. So our inside and our outside need to become unified. We need to be at one. <clears throat> if we're going to be at one with the truth, how can we even think about that? 
if we are not at one with ourselves. What happens to people, though, is that they go through their life and they see things occur and they watch things happen. They see their own growth. I mean, all of us have been with ourselves since we were babies and we've certainly changed quite a bit since then. And we've seen all of these changes. However, we've also become culturally accustomed to certain ways of being and certain truths. And it's only in time of shock, in time of monumental situations, that we are shocked out of adherence to our culture. There's a story from the New Testament. Jesus was at the temple, and a man was standing near Jesus, and one of the Pharisees, the rabbis, saw him, and the man walked away from Jesus, and he said, why do you go with him? You know he's a sinner. He said, well, I don't know if he's a sinner or not, but I know that before he touched me, I was blind, and now I see. That man saw things now in a different way because of a miracle in his existence. The blind man could see. So you could say whatever you wanted about this man. He didn't care anymore. (laughs) He was broken through the culture of adherence to the rules that were laid down because of his own experience. The truth was shown to him in a very real way. The truth passed through him, and it took away his blindness. So you could say what you wanted about him. It had no bearing as to this man anymore. For us to break through the shackles of the culture that we grow up in, and to take on a new path, to take on a path where we try to find out the truth of things as opposed to the culture of things is a very, very big step. Our religion becomes cultural for us, especially when you live in a country where one religion is dominant, then all of the superstitions and all of the beliefs within that cultural system become the religion. Um, There are many stories in every religion of how they pick up the culture and it becomes the religion. Gandhi was traveling through India and he was facing many of the cultural difficulties that Hinduism had. One of them was 
that upon the death of a husband, the wife had a choice. She could either go away to a convent or be burned with her husband. And Gandhi saw these things, and he saw that the reality of them didn't exist. They were imposed by way of the culture. And he said, I used to think religion was the truth. Now I've learned that the truth is religion. So if the religion doesn't tell you the truth, it doesn't mean anything. Um, The Catholic Church will tell you that the reason Jesus came on this earth was to create the Catholic Church. They need a reason for their existence. And they tie their institution into the truth, but now they claim that the institution is the truth, and the institution is never the truth. That does not mean that you can't find truth in an institution. It just means that the institution is not the truth. Your own internal relationship with your creator is where truth lies. And what has happened in so many instances is a prophet came And then there were men who survived after the prophet's death who made religion out of what the prophet brought. These men were not at the same capacity as the prophet and therefore began to institute rules and regulations. And for many people, religion becomes Ritual. And ritual without also an inner understanding and an inner connection to God is without real merit. Somehow, we have to find our connection to that part of us that is our soul and to connect with that. A very simple understanding is that the soul has no form. The soul can't be seen. That changes the dynamic between our relationship with the soul and the way we are now. Our relationship with each other involves a relationship with worldly created beings that we all can see, touch, and feel. People of different cultures who interact in their cultural norms. We watch this, and what happens in the world is cultural differences begin to become differences among people. Cultural differences begin to drive people away from each other. 
But that's because people don't see the soul. They just see the body. And they believe the body is real. Well, the body isn't real. If it was real, we'd have bodies still walking around that were over 200 years old. But we don't. Why don't we? Because they disappear. So, the question comes, do you believe in that which disappears, or do you believe in that which is eternal? All the books tell us about that section that's eternal, that's inside this cage. And that God speaks to that part that's eternal within this cage. And people say, well, how do we know that part exists? Where does it come from? How can we tell when it is functioning and when it's not functioning? How do we know it's there? And the wise men tell us that that part of you that tells you what's right internally, automatically, comes from the soul. And everybody has that connection. Everybody has a part of yourself that knows the difference between right and wrong. And if you are capable of being honest with yourself when that soul, that internal part of you, speaks to you, you'll recognize it and you'll act appropriately. But if you deny that connection, And if you confuse that truth with all of the rest of the mind signals that swirl around you in psychedelic hallucination that you treat as truth, you'll never make that connection. So we need to understand the difference between the mind noise that goes on all the time and the truth that comes to us from our inner sanctum of reality. And that inner sanctum of reality doesn't have form. Like God doesn't have form. It doesn't have atomic molecules in it. It doesn't have elements in it. It's from a different source that unending, unformed source that is the truth. To become attached to that source that is not of form, we need to end our attachment to everything that is form. Because as long as we give credence to form, As long as our belief is in form, it's very difficult for us to break through to that which is formless. And the truth is formless. And as our existence moves beyond this existence within this body, it moves into formlessness. And we should give some thought to our soul and 
what happens to that soul after this body disappears? The only things that this soul can carry are the things that are formless. And the things that are formless, we can only gain if we give them away. So, how does one become compassionate? By giving compassion away. How does one become merciful? By giving mercy away. If we try to hold on to these things, nothing happens. It's like holding on to gold. It's like holding on to the material things of the world. When we disappear, they disappear. And that attachment disappears. If our attachments are to the worldly thing, then our soul becomes corroded. Um, If you ever look at the battery terminals on a battery, you'll see corrosion at the ends of those terminals uh, because the acid isn't flowing right any longer and it can't make the connection. Well, our soul needs to have that true connection. And when it is interfered with by worldly attachment, it becomes corroded. The attachments of the world become part of it. And its purity is still inside, but it's a a purity that's been corroded. And one of the explanations of hellfire is to burn off that corrosion. So the hellfire isn't something that's a punishment. It's a purification. It's to bring you to the state where you can go back to the Godhead, where once again you can be your true self. Man has a habit of recording what he does. And we'll hear expressions like, This civilization had no recorded history. This civilization recorded history started on such and such a date. We give credence to time and the passage of time. And we write things down as if they were true. We try to record the history of these times. If you read history from different cultures, describing the same things, you will find incredibly different takes on what's written down. For instance, read the history of World War II in Japan. And read the history of World War II in America, describing what happened with Japan. Read the history of World War II in China. They're entirely different takes on what occurred. Which means that man is only capable of telling his side of the story that's involved with his own self-intention, his own 
protection of himself. This is part of the world problem of all of us seeing each other as something else, something other. There's a, a story of a sheikh who was giving a talk to a group of uh, his disciples, dervishes, and a man came knocking on the door. And one of the dervishes answered the door, and he said, what do you want? And he said, I'm hungry. Could I have a piece of bread? And the man said, go away. We're busy. The sheikh is talking. Come back tomorrow. And he went back and the, the dervish went back and sat down and told the sheikh. And the sheikh said, what happened? He said, well, a man came to the door and asked for some bread. And I told him we were busy and to come back tomorrow. And the sheikh said, if God saw fit to give him a soul, how can I deny him bread? Go get a loaf of bread out of the kitchen and chase him until you find him and give him that bread. This man, the dervish, had lost his sense of connection to the hunger of this other man. He didn't feel it. He didn't have the empathy. Without empathy, without being able to feel the distress and the difficulty and the hunger of others, we can't know the truth. Why? Because God feels the hunger of everyone. God knows the difficulty of everyone. And he supplies to everyone as to their needs. He puts them through the tests that they need. And he has a never-ending cornucopia of giving and understanding. But if we cut ourselves off from people, if because of the way they look, we close the door to them, if because of the way they believe, we close our door to them, then we are closing our connection to God. That which separates me from you separates me from God because God is connected to all of us. And if we begin to cut those connections to each other, we cut the connections to God. So <clears throat> if it is our intent to be connected to God, Mercy must flow from our hands. Compassion must flow from our hands. A smile must be constantly on our lips. We must be an aid to humanity. We must be ones who try and make this world a better place. And one of the ways to make a connection to God is through service to other people. Because when you aid and assist others, you lose your attachment to yourself. You no longer are the most important thing in creation. Even though 
you are the most important thing in creation. This is one of the riddles. You are the most important thing in creation because Allah created man to be the most important thing in creation. But you have to be humble. You have to be small about yourself and you have to be able to help others. So you have to be able to see the majesty in the rest of creation, not just the majesty in yourself. And in that way, the majesty in yourself grows. So you grow not through taking, you grow through giving. You grow through accepting others. You grow to, through seeing the truth in others. You, go, you grow through seeing the God in others. There's a, a practice in a uh, tarikat of Sufism, which is called Halveti, and the practice is called Halvet. And that's when two men look into each other's eyes until they disappear into each other. And then the truth comes out. You are not your body. You are your soul. And the soul can see the soul in somebody else when the relationship to the body in yourself disappears. And you become elevated. You become more than you were before. Because the interference from the body disappears and you become closer to the true self, the soul. This soul-searching, which is a phrase in English, what's he doing? Oh, he's soul-searching. He's in trauma. Well, we're all soul-searching. And we're all soul-brothers and soul-sisters. We have to recognize that fact. And when we recognize that fact with each other, we become closer to our Creator. There's the story in Genesis of the Tower of Babel where men decided they were going to build a tower to reach God. And they kept building and building and building. And then God changed their languages so they could no longer communicate and this building of this tower stopped. Well, the lesson here is that what makes us similar is not our language. What makes us similar is not our birth. What makes us similar is deeper than that. And you don't reach God through building towers. You don't climb towards God you go inside towards God. And you do this by yourself. You do this through the struggle with the vagaries of the mind and the constant deceit of the mind and the constant whispering that goes on from Satan 
to try and bring you towards him as, appo- as opposed to the truth. Once a man came to the prophet and said to him, Satan is constantly bothering me. Please do something about this. And he told the man to come back in three days. And he called Satan. And he said, so-and-so came to see me and says, you are constantly bothering him. Why don't you leave him alone? And Satan says, well, he's constantly bothering me. All the things that belong to me is what he wants. He wants lust. He wants gold. He wants power. These aren't his things. These are my things. The prophet excused uh, him, excused Satan, and the man came back. And the prophet explained to him that the reality was that his desire is what brought Satan into his life. The things that he wanted is what brought Satan into his life. And if he gave up those desires, Satan would leave him. We all need to understand how we determine our own reality and our own fate. How we create what happens next in our existence. And how we can lift the veils that separate us from the truth or create veils that will separate us from the truth. So, internally, we know what's right and wrong. Now, we have to do that. We have to become the ones who aid the world. Be somebody who walks love around. Love yourself and love everyone else. Be able to hand out compassion. Be able not to fall in love with the world, but fall in love with God. Fall in love with his prophets. Fall in love with his words. Fall in love with his qualities and become those qualities. Become truth. Become justice. Become kindness. Be that which is our Lord and be that which we were created to be. We were created to be as our Lord and we need to take on that responsibility. It is said that the world exists because of 40 people in it who communicate with God. And because of that communication, God, Allah, keeps this world in existence. And if those 40 disappeared, the world would disappear. So who's going to be the 40? Is it going to be somebody else? Are you going to shift the responsibility? Or are you going to do what you can so you can be among those to help the existence of the world? Become truth. It is your birthright. Become compassion. It is your birthright.
become close to God. It is what you were meant to do. May it be so for each of us. Amin. Amin. Ya Rabbil Alameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.